Hi, welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast, where every mom can find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. You'll hear interviews with all kinds of moms who are learning how to navigate motherhood. Most of all, you'll learn that you have a partner in motherhood, a loving Heavenly Father who wants you to succeed and is always there to help you in your most important work as a mother. And now, here's your host, my mom, Dara Trendler. Welcome to the Spiritually Minded Mom podcast. This is Darla, and I am so happy to welcome today Stephanie Piacitelli to the show. So Stephanie is a wife and a mom to a large blended family, and she's also a widow who has experienced her own grief and the difficulties of helping her children navigate the loss of their father. I have known of Stephanie since she lost her husband, but when I found her Instagram account through a friend a few months ago, I was drawn in by her willingness to share the real and raw glimpses of her journey. She has a great desire to help others by sharing her story and the joy and beauty she has found despite the heartbreak. So Stephanie, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad. Thank you, Darla, for having me. I'm happy to be here. So I mentioned in the intro that you are a widow. So let's take take me back to your life prior to October 2014. What were the hopes and dreams for your family? What What did your life look like? Our life looked very simple. We had four children and, well, I don't know if simple is the right word, but we had a busy toddler, just like a lot of other people and a couple kids in school. I was teaching preschool uh, from our home. I had two classes a few days a week. My husband was working for the Chandler Police Department. He was on the swing shift at that time, but he had done all of those different shifts. He worked graveyards for a couple of years. In 2014, he was working the swing shift. So he would leave around 1.30 in the afternoon and get home around 12.30, like midnight-ish every day or five days a week. Yeah, we just, um, I had kids going to school and he would help with the baby. She was one. So she was busy, you know, emptying out DVDs from under the TV console and getting into laundry and cupboards and just like a one-year-old would do. So we were a happy family. We had dreams of moving to Idaho and living on a ranch um, or staying here in Arizona and finding some property and having horses and dogs and just living a simple, happy life as a family of six. Well, I think most people can probably relate to that life that you're <laughs> living, but it, it really, everything changed and shifted for you in October of 2014. So, so tell me about that day. So October, 2014, um, we had just come back from a vacation in Idaho, actually, um, at the beginning of October. And that was one of those trips where everything was perfect. Like we were like, take me back. And we explored and took back roads that we never would normally take just because we could. And all the kids got along. And uh, my second child uh, was about to turn eight. So it was kind of just, just, took some time away to be together as a family and really create some good memories and talk about the gospel and talk about what covenants my second would be making. 
um, at his upcoming baptism. So we got back from our trip and settled back into preschool and school and work. And my son turned eight on the 22nd of October and was really looking forward to his baptism. And on October 28th, my husband uh, was watching the baby for me while I was teaching preschool. And we had been looking at homes in Idaho, actually, that morning. And he made me a salad with his homemade salad dressing while I was teaching preschool. And he came up and was like, hey, hurry and eat. I'll help the kids for a minute. And so I ate and then um, he went to get ready for work and he came back in and told all the preschool kids bye. He gave me a hug and a kiss and um, he left to work and I finished my day as normal. The baby, He had got the baby to sleep before he left and I uh, got all the preschool kids off and I went into the kitchen and I thought, oh, I need to text him and just make sure he got to work okay. And then I noticed the time. <clears throat> it was 2.30. And I was like, oh, he's in briefing. I'll just wait. He'll be done by 3 and I'll get the kids home and we'll all just call him and tell him to have a great day. I had made a protein shake for some odd reason. I had just had a salad. I was not hungry. And I put extra water in and I'm drinking this drink. And I am like, okay, I got to go get the kids from school. So I was on my way up the stairs to get the baby to wake her up from her nap when there was a knock on my door. So I came back and I peeked out of our little peephole and there was a police officer in uniform. And there were also two other men who were not in uniform, but were dressed nicely and I thought, oh, should I get it? Should I not? This wasn't the vision that I had been told about. Like my husband and I had conversations prior to this day about like, if something were to happen to him while he was at work, here's what you can expect. Here's what you would see at the door and you would know that something had happened to me. So when I looked out, I didn't see that scene that I had painted in my mind already if something were to happen to him so I honestly I was like this is a scam I'm not gonna open the door but something made me just crack the door and I'm, I'm telling you it was a crack and the officer called me by name and he said can we come in and I shook my head no as I'm opening the door for those three men to come inside and they came in and the one dressed in his class A's with his hat, he held my arm and he said, your husband, Bryant, was on his way to work on his motorcycle and was struck and killed by someone who ran a red light. And I just was like, okay, I need to go get my kids. And they obviously wouldn't let me leave the house and have me call someone else. I actually gave them my phone and just said, you can call my mom. So they had her go pick up my children. But in the meantime, they already had officers there at the school with my children. And I'm at home with these officers. And by now, within minutes, I have 
more officers and I have church leaders coming because they're seeing cars outside. Like word is getting out already that Bryant was killed. And I just am like, okay, Heavenly Father, like you have to help me here. Like my kids are coming home. Like what in the world do I tell them? And so they walk in the door and all they do is just look at me and come running and just hold me. And at this point, like I'm doing the okay, keeping my composure. And I said, you guys, dad was on his way to work and he was hit by someone who ran a red light. And my five-year-old looked up and he said, mom, did he die? And I had to utter the most, the hardest words I've ever had to say and just say, yes, he did. And I just, it was just a mix of a hundred different emotions of feeling like we're going to be okay, but oh my gosh, what just happened? Our life has been turned upside down. My children are fatherless. I'm a widow. This was not in the plan. This was not in, I, I did not ever worry when my husband left to work. Not once. Even though we had these talks that something could happen, he was in a line of work where it was possible that he might not come home. But I always felt peace. And to be there with my children in tears and confusion, I just knew that we had to, number one, forgive that man, that boy, whoever that person was that was distracted, who hit and killed my children's father, my husband, we had to forgive him in order to move forward and know what to do next. And then number two, that we were loved, that we were already surrounded in our home with people who cared about us, who would take care of us, who would help us and guide us. Our bishop was there. Our Relief Society president was there. Uh, a whole force of officers were there to support us and to love us. And that was a, that was the day that our lives changed forever. And we've had to pick up the pieces since that day and create a new normal. I can't, I can't imagine how devastating that must have been, but I'm, I think it is so remarkable. I'm going to use the word miracle that in that moment of, of shock and confusion and, you know, I'm sure you're reeling with this news that your husband is gone. And some of your first thoughts, if I'm understanding what you're saying, were of forgiveness for the person that caused the accident and, and that you are able to feel peace despite all of the, you know, the, everything going on around you, were there, were there moments when you look back that you say, God prepared me for this, even though you had no idea that it was going to happen, but can you look back and say this happened and, and I knew, you know, I was prepared for this. 
honestly don't know that I or anyone could really be prepared for losing their spouse. Um, I know people that have lost their spouse due to illness that had some warning that were prepared in that way where they had some time leading up to the passing away where they could prepare and make arrangements for their future. But even when that day actually comes where they're taken, I don't think that anyone could prepare you for that moment. And in my case, my husband left for work to protect and serve our community. And I didn't even think about him not coming home. This literally was a tragedy, completely unexpected. Um, Looking back, I can recognize certain experiences and conversations that we had as tender mercies from God. So I guess in a sense, that could be his way of preparing me for this to happen. Like, for instance, I kind of touched on before, my husband told me a few different times that if his life was ever taken in the line of duty, uh, he told me what to expect, who would come to the door, um, that the police department would take care of me, that they have plans in place for when tragedy strikes. And I still, to this day, am grateful for the careful attention and care that they offered and provided me and our children. Um, Another tender mercy I also touched on earlier was about our family trip, where I just felt like that was one of those moments where God was preparing me and our children, that he left us with the most incredible memory that was so fresh. Like we even had family pictures taken on that trip where my husband was like, oh, let's go to the sand dunes over here and take them. And yes, let's coordinate outfits. Like he was excited about it. When does that happen? So I really do feel like there was some ways that God was preparing me at the time. Obviously, I wouldn't think of it as being prepared. But as I look back, I do see it as a tender mercy. We He had a list for this trip of different animals that he would love to see when we went through Yellowstone and like black bears. And it was even topped off with, we saw a mama bear and her cubs. We saw a brown bear. We saw all these cool things, but he really wanted to see an eagle. He loves eagles. And it was getting to be sunset, and we hadn't seen one. And we were taking all these different back roads, and we drove up this hill, and all of a sudden, there was a bald eagle right there just flying. And it was the coolest thing. Like, all of us were so excited. So he pulls over, stops the car, we get out, we take a family photo at the top of this hill. I mean, I don't think the eagle's in the photo, but it's just that remembering that moment, that tender mercy. And I didn't realize that a couple weeks later, I would be with my eight-year-old son who was hoping his dad was going to baptize him that weekend. I didn't realize I would be sitting instead of at a baptism at a mortuary picking out a casket and my son was with me and we flip open this book 
of options and the first page we turn to, there's a casket there that's open with eagles flying and it says going home. And my son saw it instantly and was like, mom, that one, that one right there. And so for that to be such a, not easy, but it took the weight of having to sit and stew over a casket for my children's dad. It was just right there. We had just had this experience with their dad and eagles. And then to be looking for a casket in the first page, there's the one. And I just felt like that was a testament. That was a tender mercy of, that we were being prepared. We didn't know it, but we could look back and see like, oh, okay. Um, so prepared, not exactly. Tender mercies, absolutely. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Prepared probably isn't the word, but tender mercies is. And that so many of them that that you can look back and see God's hand guiding you. And I love that. I love that you can can look back and and see that. But you also told me that there was a really pivotal time in your relationship with God. So shortly after Bryant passed away and you had a, your one-year-old, your baby was very sick in the hospital. So will you tell me about that experience and what you learned at that time? That time was in January. It had been two and a half months since Bryant passed away. And one Saturday night, it was late. I just felt like my baby just wasn't right. Like something just didn't seem right. And so I took her to urgent care and they took x-rays and just looked at her and they found that she had pneumonia. And they said, you know what? It's really not a big, you caught it early enough that she's going to be just fine. You can take her home. She'll be fine. Just give her this medicine. Um, And they sent us on our way. So I just couldn't shake this uneasy feeling. And so I had her sleep with me and I just watched her. I literally was like staring at her half the night thinking this is not right. And by Sunday morning, I felt like I was holding a lifeless child. She what she wouldn't eat. She wouldn't open her eyes. I mean, she was breathing, but that was it. She had no energy. And so I rushed her to the hospital and they thankfully took me right back. I didn't wait a minute and they got her hooked up to breathing machines. And I just remember feeling so devastated. Like, are you kidding me? This is probably the first time since Bryant passed away that I was like, um, this isn't fair. Uh, you, you already took my husband. You cannot take my baby. Like she is why not the only reason why, but she's a big part of why I get out of bed because she still needs me. My other children were self-sufficient enough to be able to get their own food and hang out at the house without me and their constant care. But the one-year-old wasn't like she needed me and was helping me to get through my every day. And 
so I just I sat there day after day and was just thinking, okay, Bryant, you really, you are the one that said we needed to have this baby. And my father, like you gave her to me, like you can't have her. And so I just felt like I was in this wrestling match for a few days. And then all of a sudden, one day I'm sitting there just looking at her and because I couldn't hold her at the time. She was hooked up to all the machines and I just, I literally looked up and out loud, I said, thy will be done. I figured out how to survive and carry on the last couple months without my husband and I will figure it out if you have to take her. It's your will, not mine. And I look back on that experience almost daily because within probably four hours, she opened her eyes. She looked at me. That hadn't happened for days. And by the next day, they had taken her oxygen like way down. So she really wasn't. She was still on some, but not in a critical state. And I was able to hold her that day. And I remember thinking while I was holding her was, this was a test for me. Am I really willing to put my trust in my Heavenly Father and in all-knowing, all-loving, God, am I able to do that? And I, so that's why I look back on that experience often because I need to remember that these experiences that we go through are for our own good. We may not see it in the moment, but if we will allow the refiner's fire to allow Heavenly Father to mold us in to the person that he needs us to become, we will be better off than what we may have thought. I, I love that so much. So it's something that we can, anyone can relate to. We all have heartache and heartbreak and hard things that we go through. We may not have the same story as you, but we can all have that same change of heart. So, mm-hmm. so how, how did you do it? Was there just like a, was it a switch that just flipped inside of you and you're like, I'm just going to turn it over to him. How did you get there? Yeah, honestly, it was one of those, like, I just felt like I was in this wrestling match, like do it my way. Like I need her. You can't, you can't take her from me. And as soon as I just had that quiet moment where I honestly, I felt like it was this thought, this prompting, this insight. Maybe it was Heavenly Father, the Holy Ghost, like putting this thought into my head that it's not about what you want. And so just the most liberating part of it all was saying it out loud, like literally looking up, thy will be done. 
I just, I was tired of fighting. I was tired of trying to make it my way. And so, yeah, I think that it, it probably was just one, just that moment of, okay, it's, it's not up to me. Like I felt like if I've done all I can do, which I had up to that point, like I was doing all I knew how to do, but I was lacking the most important part. And that was trusting in my heavenly father. And if I have faith that I say I do, that means trusting in the all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful God, that he's aware of me. And because he's aware of me, he knows that I just lost my husband. He knows what I'm capable of. He knows what I need. And he knows how to teach me. Oh, that that is so good, Stephanie. I There's one word that you said that I thought was so interesting. You said you felt liberated. And mm-hmm. how that's a miracle that you could feel that because you're feeling liberated by giving your will to someone else. You know, that's what you right. Right. But but that's how God (laughs) works. And, and that's something that anybody can experience. There's such a paradox. Like you're liberated by giving your will to someone else, but that is the, the, the beauty and the, the miracle of the way God works in our lives. Yes. And I think liberated because I was giving it to the one that mattered most. Yeah. Right. I wasn't giving my power to someone else. I wasn't giving my will to the nurse or to the, to my other children or to my friends. Like it was that I'm, I felt liberated because I was submitting my will to God. Like you take it. I you are more powerful and all knowing than I am. And I have to trust and know that he would not forsake me. I told myself that for two and a half months from October 28th up until I left that hospital every day. I had to tell myself on repeat multiple times, God will not forsake me. He knows me. He loves me. If I believe and I, I want to believe because that feels better to me than the alternative. So ultimately my faith has to get me through that. I have faith that I can and will become someone different, that I'll be changed for the better if I put my trust in him. Yeah. Such, such a good, a good reminder for anyone going through something hard that you can, you can rely on him 100%. You're not giving your will to just anybody. Like you said, mm-hmm. You're giving your will to an all powerful, all knowing creator who loves you perfectly and knows exactly what you need. And th- that, that is the miracle. I, I really, I really love that part of your story. Thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. I want I want to talk just for a second about not for a second. I want to I want to share about something else that really struck me with your story. And that is 
how you really learned to treat your children as individuals. And so Hmm. you had these four children navigating the grief of losing their father, but they were each going through it in a different way. And now you're a mom, you've, you've remarried and you're a mom to eight kids. So you've got all these personalities and all of these things. I mean, and I'm sure it's not over. Your kids are probably still grieving. How do you help them do that as individuals? How do you know their needs and how do you just navigate all the needs of all your children? Honestly, I just do a lot of praying. I, I really have to rely on our heavenly father. When my husband passed away, my four children grieved completely differently. My first one, my oldest, she is a rock. She would, she absolutely would cry, but she always was like, mom, we have to have faith. My second one wasn't as talkative. I would really have to just love him. Just put my arm around him. Just reassure him that I knew that we would be okay. He wanted to make sure that financially we were going to be okay. Like, can we still stay in our house? Who's going to feed us? So he kind of took on that man role as just an eight-year-old. And so I had to free him of that responsibility. And then my five-year-old was more angry. He would um, lash out. He would throw things. He would yell. But then there were moments that he would just melt in my arms and just fall asleep in my arms. He would, he was the one that would say, when am I getting a new dad? Like, is this going to be how it is forever? He was my husband's shadow. He was, if Bryant was on a bike, that child was right there with him. If he was working on a car, that child was right there with him. So he needed that bonding, that male bonding. And then the baby, the one-year-old, you would think like, oh, she was too young to notice, but she wasn't. She, for the first few weeks at least, she would go around the house, dada, dada, peeking around corners, thinking he was playing hide and seek with her. I had this very distinct impression one day to get one of the larger than life photos that we had at his viewing, like the 16 by 20 picture of her dad. And I set it down on the ground, leaning up against the wall. So it was at her level. And that made all the difference. She would go to him and she would pet his face. Dada, dada. And I just remember feeling like God is aware of me and he's aware of my children because he would give me ideas on what I could do to help each of them. And one of the days I felt like um, I had a friend over and I just said, I think we need to get them some journals. So she went to the store and got each of them like a spiral notebook that they could just write daddy memories. And so the first couple of days, you know, they would just 
draw pictures or write something. But then as time went on, I would get these impressions like, hey, it's Sunday. Let's grab our daddy journals. And I would give them a writing prompt. Tell me about the time you ate your favorite dessert with dad. Tell me about your favorite outing with dad. Tell me about your favorite story that you like to read with your dad. Just things like that, that they could remember him, but also that would help them heal. And then as far as remarrying and having eight children now, I feel like it's the same process where I honestly didn't know there could be eight different personalities for children. Like I thought, well, I got four. So surely the next four that come, they've all got to like match somebody else too. Like we can't have eight different, well, there's eight different personalities. And so it's been that whole process all over again of just lots of prayer. But I also now have a husband to communicate and bounce ideas off of, okay, what should we do with this one? And I know for a fact that one of my new daughters, she loves to be praised verbally. Like she needs to know that she is doing a good job. I need to praise her when she does her jobs or when she does really well at her sport, whatever it is. Like I, every day I have to make sure and find a few things that I tell her she did really well that day because her whole world changes. She just lights up. There's another one that needs time. She just wants to know that I'm there. And like when she's with her dad and they're swimming or something, she'll always say, dad, thank you so much for swimming with me. So it's honestly, it's paying attention to your children and noticing what they're appreciative of or enjoying and I just sometimes I literally have to have a pen and paper and be like okay she really liked this today try that again or she loved having her uh, having me polish her nails or having me curl her hair like she wants to look pretty so I just try to make notes of the ways that I feel like the spirit whispers to me on the daily so that I don't forget when I feel like there's a disconnect because there's absolutely been days that I'm like, okay, I don't even feel connected right now. Like where is everybody? I, I just kind of feel lost. And I think that's normal though, for moms to just feel like, am I doing anything right? But if I just, change that thought because moms are doing good for their children. They are doing things right. Maybe not everything right, but there's something. And so if you try to build on the one thing that I did do right and just do more similar things. So like I talked about the polishing the nails, like, okay, she really liked that. Well, that was one-on-one time with me. But it also was, it made her feel like, oh, like this was really neat. I like how I feel right now. Okay. We curled her hair like, oh, she just was a totally different, had a different outlook that day. So then I, I can just build on that. We can go shopping for a new outfit 
it's just little things that I have to take note of. And I think every mother could relate to like my boys. They really thrive on that sports time. If I will go out and throw the baseball with them, their day is awesome. My eight-year-old, or sorry, he's not eight, he's 10 now. He was like, mom, this was the best day ever just the other day like three days ago, he was telling me that. So I had to look back and be like, okay, what did we do today that made it the best day ever? Because that's a kid I don't get that from on the daily. So I took note, like, oh, he went with his dad and his new dad to um, the batting cage. Then he came home and we all threw the football around. And then we all went swimming, like just different activities like he loves to be active so I think that it's just important to really one rely on the spirit and two take note of the things that are working for your children because it's really easy to find all the things that aren't working at least for me that seems to be the case Stephanie, you are so wise. (laughs) I just love everything (laughs) that you shared here and in fact I'm sitting here and you've just given me a little epiphany about something that I can do for one of my kids. And maybe I was missing a little bit of finding that one thing that they really is going to resonate with them. So thank you for sharing that. And I think it's really remarkable that of all the things that you've been through, and there's always been this theme of God guiding you. And Mm -hmm. I have loved talking to you and thank you so much for being willing to share, be so real and share these parts of your story that aren't always easy, but I know they're going to help someone. So thank you so much for that. I have one final question for you. And that is how have you seen and felt God as your partner in motherhood? I think I touched on that a little bit already, but I honestly feel his hand every day in being a mother. Just the fact that I get to be a mother, I feel like I am a partner with God because he was his before they were mine. And I feel like if they were his first, then he knows them even better than I do. So I need to partner with him. I need to keep my life spiritually in check so that I'm in tune to what he wants to share with me about my children. I need to make sure that I am praying that I'm reading my scriptures, that I'm making good choices that will keep me humble and teachable. I think that through all of this that I've been through and even being a partner with God in motherhood is knowing that joy is possible, even in the midst of hard things. We all have hard things. Our children go through hard things. It could be with their friends. It could be with their mental health. It can be with losing a parent or a sibling. Whatever it is, each of us have something hard. And remembering that there's joy, even in the middle of all of it, that God makes that possible. God is at the helm. He is all-knowing, all-loving, all-powerful. He's aware of me. He's aware of each child.
child and he will help me and he will help them in their everyday lives. My husband, my first husband, often told my children, you can do hard things, whether they were doing the dishes and didn't want to because it was too hard, or they were on a mountain bike ride with him and there was a really big hill that they were going to climb. Dad, no, I don't want to go up. You can do hard things. You would tell them that often. And so that's become a family motto. I, I stood at his funeral and called each of my children by name and I told them, you can do hard things. And as I navigate through life and realize that the way to do the hard things is putting trust in God, trust that you will become the person that he needs you to be to return back to him. That is all so beautiful. I can't, I don't even want to add anything because you just said it all perfectly. And your story is inspiring. Your ability to have faith and to trust and to, to find joy in, in the really difficult things that you face is going to help someone else. And I'm so grateful that I could be a small part of sharing that. So thank you so much for being here today. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. I know you have a million things to do, and I'm grateful you took the time to listen to today's podcast. I hope the episode helped you to know God is your partner in motherhood. For show notes, head over to spirituallymindedmom.com. For more motherhood inspiration, follow along on Instagram, at spirituallymindedmom. And if you enjoyed the podcast, share it with a friend. I would love it if you would leave a review and rate it on iTunes. This helps more moms to find hope, joy, and God's hand in motherhood. Have an amazing day, and remember, you are doing God's work, and you are doing it wonderfully well.